podcast may cause severe side effects, including but not limited to severe spoiler exposure, millennial opinion insertion, and the perpetual ignorance of common sense. This narrator advises that the listener digest the following as entertainment. The showrunners behind it are neither six-figure filmmakers nor professional critics. They are casually critical. Hello and welcome to Casually Critical, the podcast show starring two pals who love to talk about storytelling. Be sure to stick around at the end for our feature Itch to Pitch and find out how you can get involved as a part of our podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Carpenter. I'm James Newton, your co-host. Today we're going to be talking about Frozen 2. Daniel, oh boy. I have a proposition for you. Do it. I've heard that a few people have been listening to our podcast without watching the movies beforehand. So how would you feel about giving a quick um, recommend, don't recommend kind of thing to those who are going to see the movie at some point in the next week or two? Sure. Um, Before we do that, do you want to do our usual 10 out of 10? Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that, and then we can give a very short, maybe two-sentence description of how we feel. Okay. Go from there. All right. Ready? Ready. Yes, I am. Three, two, two one, one, seven and a half. 3.5. Whoa! <laughs> this is the first time, ladies and gentlemen, where we have um, we have disagreed marginally. Wow. <laughs> this oh, will be Daniel, fun. I cannot wait to figure out <laughs> what you have to say about this. Okay. I, I, I'm scared, James. Um, I know there are some people that love Disney, and they're watching this, and... I'm I'm honestly scared here. I'm, I'm gonna need your 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 friendship. Um, well, you got my friendship, Tan. You've always had my friendship. Come on. Right now, I need you to help me survive. Yeah, yeah. The, no, I'll, the coming storm. I'll um, I'll catch a few stones with my with my frail frame as they hurl in your direction. <laughs> well, okay, I appreciate that. So, for those of you that haven't seen this movie, which, by the way, we have included in the beginning of our podcast, severe spoiler exposure. We we mean that. We're not just putting it on there to sound funny. We we do mean that. Um, <laughs> and for those of you that are going to truck on through the rest of this review, we are spoiling not just Frozen 2, but Frozen. Uh, I think it's a matter of fact that whenever we discuss a sequel, we're going to also talk freely about the predecessors. That's a good call. Um, so... For those of you that haven't seen this movie, I will say my piece, because I think it'll be different than James's piece. It will be. Um, I I honestly think this movie um, is um, passable. However, um, you can watch it if you want to. If you are a diehard Frozen fan, there are many Frozen fans that I know that will love this movie. Um, a little clarification, I think, on my 10 out of, ta- 10, 10, out of 10 scale. Because, James, I don't think your and I's, or you and I's, I don't think our our, our uh, opinions might be actually that different. I just think the scale that we're using to measure this is a little bit different. Okay, um, maybe. So my, my reasoning is a five is average. It's just your average mediocre. It's like, yeah, it's okay. Uh, any numbers that are lower than a five are heading in the direction of 
this is uh, lower than average. Uh, there are severe flaws with this film, whatever. A one being, this is an awful piece of trash. Um, a four being, eh, it's not as good as middle. And with Frozen, I think a 3.5, uh, it's, it's lower than average. It's got a lot of flaws. And for me, the flaws outweighed my enjoyment of the movie. Um, over, um, if you go higher than a five, then it gets above average. So a six is like, you know, it was mediocre, but it's, it's heading in that direction of it's good. There are some, there are more things I enjoyed than things I didn't. And then from there, I use the grading scale of school as, uh, as indicated by the perception of students. So a seven is like a 70 where it's like, okay, you know, I'll take it. I'll, uh, you know, I'll live with it. An eight is, oh, you know, this is, this is not bad. This isn't bad. This is really good, actually. I enjoyed it. A nine is, wow, okay, this is good. And a 10 is just, it's, it's heaven. It's, it's just perfect in oh, every yeah. way. Um, so when I say 3.5, what I really mean is this movie didn't suck. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say it's a pile of garbage. Um, but we'll talk more about this later. I was just very bored by it. And I'm not the only one. I, I saw this at the El Capitan Theater, which, for those of you that don't know, it's a theater that Disney actually owns, and they use for all of their movie premieres. Yeah. So Brad Bird has used this space. Um, other people that I, I can't remember, I think Pete Doctor has. Just Pixar Disney premieres are always held here, and I got to see Frozen 2. That's pretty cool. Um, I think I'm just going to slide into the review portion. So if you haven't seen this movie, I really recommend uh, you, you stop listening or at least um, just use severe discretion. Well, if well we go, ahead and, go ahead and say a sentence to those that haven't seen the movie just so that they... Oh, I thought I already did. Okay. Sorry. Uh, this I mean, movie is passable. Yeah. If, you, uh, if you're looking for a good sequel, it will depend on who you ask. But for me personally, I would say you can skip this movie. James, what do you have to say? I would also say you could skip this movie. Uh, but, um, I would say if you are a fan of animation, uh, I would say if you are a fan of, uh, if you're okay with, um, if you're okay with things not being exactly airtight, uh, this is a movie that's not airtight. Um, for me, I enjoyed uh, the visuals and I enjoyed some character moments and I enjoyed um, some of the music um, so I think it's a lot of fun so I think that would mm. be my recommendation if you actually care about like everything making perfect sense and it being like a streamlined well-oiled machine that's not what this movie is um, Disney is is broadcasting to billions of people with this film uh they're trying to yeah. cover as many demographics as possible and we can get into that more later so that'll be my that'll be my words honestly you. i agree with that i really do yeah uh shall we get animation. into the, the meat of it let's do it okay let's dissect our things so for non-spoiler people you may exit the room now well i want to talk about the good things because People might be too quick to point me as a Disney hater, and I am not a Disney hater. But I'm not a Disney fan either. Uh, fanatic, I'd say. I'm not a Disney fanatic. It's I'm okay not to be both of those that... things, by the way. Right. Um, I just... Well, what I mean by Disney hater and Disney fanatic are people that just hate Disney movies because they're the modern Disney movies and not because of the actual movie itself. 
And Disney fanatics are the opposite. They're people that love the Disney movies because they're Disney. Because it's Disney, there's, yeah. Okay. There's really no substantive sense. So I, I think both of those views are actually incorrect, at least how I define them. Yeah. Uh, I think it's wrong to say a movie is good or bad just based on the movies that have come before and be like, well, it's good by this definition. Um, so I would consider myself a Disney uh, appreciator. I, I appreciate Disney. Uh, I appreciate its legacy that it has. But I go into all of their films thinking – okay, what does this movie add, and what does this movie, if anything, add to the legacy that Disney has built? And is this a good movie? Actually, that's the only question I ask. Is this a good movie? And I'll be honest with you, I saw the first Frozen trailer, as we've discussed, oh and boy. None, of, none of the other ones. And James and I did say, uh, if Olaf spoke one word, it would really tarnish the tone that was portrayed in that trailer. And I look back now on that trailer... And even though I haven't seen the other trailers since then, I can safely bet that they were not the same tone. Um, they I were was not. Dis- I, I felt it was part of a gotcha marketing campaign of like, if you want us to go dark and serious, we can go dark and serious. We can play to that like, demographic. I was like, oh Disney, oh, don't don't tease me, please <laughs> don't be a joke. I, I want this to be true, and uh, I, I had a sense going in of burgeoning cynicism uh, to the premiere. I. Not the premiere, excuse me, the showing. Um, I, I just felt like, I don't know. I, I have a bad feeling about this. But I'll be honest with you, James. The El Capitan Theater did something really special, which I guarantee you don't ha- didn't have in your theater that you went to. <laughs> um, they put on, like, they were doing some giveaways. This guy was raffling off seats. Just, like, No, they stuff, actually like. had that at the Muncie AMC. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So maybe it's, like, extra money that they just, like, oh, you're Yeah, good. yeah. No, um, actually, but, um, John Lasseter came. He was in an orange jumpsuit. Oh, and, okay. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Well, here's here. – <laughs> I don't want this to evolve into, like, my showing was better than yours. <laughs> But we had Elsa and Anna actually come out, not the animated digital puppets, but, like, people dressed as them. And they they danced a little bit, and then Elsa did some magic and pointed to the right side of the theater. And then cannons exploded with confetti, except the confetti was leaf-shaped, you know, the leaves in Frozen 2. And then she did to the left side, and the leaves on the left exploded. And then Anna whispers something to her, Elsa nods, smiles, and then the whole room explodes in the leaves. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, it's cool. Okay, and calm here's down, thing. Disney. As I, as I, <laughs> <laughs> as I, as I listen to the music, because this is in a theater that has just amazing sound, um, I was just like, okay, you know what? I like this music. Um, I this is very beautiful, and I thought, okay, um, I'm actually kind of looking forward to this now, like more than I, I was. It's like, Uh-oh. okay, okay. I was disappointed, James. Oh. Um, Daniel. I, I, was, I was disappointed. And uh, a lot of people might be hurt hearing that because uh, the people I was with, a lot of them were saying, this is such a good movie. And um, I didn't say anything. I actually said, no, I'll just talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> um, but primarily because I've learned, I've learned if you're that one person in the group that has a very different opinion of the movie, it, it's people's feelings get hurt. And I didn't want to do that. And I still don't want to do that with this podcast. I don't hate Frozen 2. It's not a pile of trash. It's a movie that has flaws. Okay. It's a story that has flaws. But, James, I want to know your diagnosis of it so far. Before going in, what was your thought? What was your mentality about this movie, about John Lasseter and the Orange Jumpsuit? Um, Okay. 
Well, John Lasseter did not show up in an orange jumpsuit. He was actually what? wearing he was actually wearing a um, a Hawaiian was he shirt. Was as Elsa? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yes, and um, and on that Hawaiian shirt there were different images related to the sex offender list. Uh, okay. The registered sex offender list. Um, it's a registered sex offender song. Yeah, I love that. The registered <laughs> sex offender shuffle. Uh, there you go. That's that's a plug for today. Check that okay. out. That's a good one. Um, that's your YouTube link for today. Uh, but here's the thing, Daniel. I did not have a huge hype spectacle before I saw yeah. this movie. I had the trailers <clears throat> yeah. to go off of. I had trailer one and trailer two, which were two very different trailers. Trailer mm-hmm. one was like, okay, this is going to be like some high fantasy, like some seriousness. I'm like, okay, there's no way oh, they're yeah. going to do this all the way. The second yeah. trailer was like, aha, ah, it's a kid's movie. And I was mm, like, yep. okay, okay, it's going to be somewhere in the middle. And it was. <laughs> yeah. And so my expectations were met. And uh, in some ways I was surprised in good ways. Um, like... Um, characters learning things and changing and experiencing good things and um i think things that that the audience for this movie needs to hear um and then there were bad things like uh the entire um reconciliation of two races uh being solved by destroying a dam and there being no real consequences of that um I, I want to talk about this, which I think is the big problem of the movie. Okay. This movie is incredibly unfocused. There is no... Um, how do I say this? This movie needs a kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Because <laughs> this movie doesn't keep it simple, and it doesn't work for them. Um, <clears throat> case in point, Kristoff has no real purpose to this movie. Um, he... Oh... His funny quirk is he wants to propose to Anna. But it's very clear to me that Anna loves Elsa way more than Kristoff. Because there's this moment. There's a very good moment for his character. A crucial moment for his character. He keeps getting turned down by Anna several times. And and through no fault of her own. He's just awkward about it. And I think it's funny. There were, uh, there were I moments. I think it's fault of her own. She <laughs> well, keeps hearing things true. that he's not actually saying. That is true. I'm She's very like, insecure. You're killing me, movie. <laughs> Fair point. You're saying but that I'm is, fat? Ugh, no. A, <laughs> he's trying to propose there, to you, you dingus, but also he's <clears> not exactly the best with words either. So Right. There's, there's a pinnacle, though, mo- moment uh, where they meet the people. <laughs> I don't remember what they're called. Um, the the Northalopen people... <sighs> I don't know. Is it racist if I can't pronounce the name? They're not a real race, Daniel. It's okay. Oh, okay. Well, fictitious, fictional racism. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the people. <laughs> uh, we'll call them the Northerners because I think they're up north. I'll call them the Northerners yeah, okay. from here on out. So, the Northerners meet, and one of them says to to Kristoff, um, Elsa and Anna left like a long time ago. As he's setting up this big thing with Ryder, um, he sets up this big display to show Anna his love. And I think it's actually kind of cute. It's like it's a sincere gesture, if not a little overt. But the song that follows, Lost in the Woods, is so tonally, it 
it doesn't work for me. Uh, it lost me. Uh, it lost me hard. Um, I did not. It, it's like an 80s ballad. It's overly dramatic. But in that moment, I could tell this movie wasn't as much interested in its own story as it was interested in the audience watching it. Um, it, it was in it for the laughs. And there were a lot of kids in the theater I was watching this and that laughed a lot. But I suppose I should back up on a previous point. I called this movie boring. And I don't doubt that there are many of you that will disagree with me. However, and I won't say that I'm right, but there were two people in the theater that I think support my opinion. One was a girl, two seats to the right of me, who was on her phone for a good portion of the third act of the movie. And then the other was a grown man who, upon talking to someone right behind me as the credits were rolling, said in a, I think, a boastful voice, he fell asleep two hours for the two hours of the movie and woke up at the end in the credits. Um, this movie does not know what it wants to say. This movie does not know how it wants to say it. I think this movie is one of those where it tries to have its cake and eat it too. Um, it tries to be mature. It tries to be grounded. There are some themes in that, some traces, but it never commits all the way because it also wants to be funny, goofy, similar to the first movie. And it really restricts itself in all the ways because it's trying to do everything at once. Case in point, uh, Anna and Elsa go to the ship that their parents sank on, that they died in. And you have a moment for a very mature moment, right? A very emotionally powerful moment. Problem is Olaf's with them. And my guard was up the entire time because I knew, I just knew, Olaf was going to say one thing or two things in rapid fire succession that would kind of ease the tension or break it. And so I was actually wary of giving the movie my heart because I'm like, you're going to call it out. You're going to laugh at it. Mm. And, uh, and so I, I honestly didn't really feel much emotionally because I was like, I'm, Olaf's going to say a funny thing and then it'll turn back into a comedy. It won't be serious. But they didn't do um, that, did they? Yeah. And here's the best moment, James. I, With your permission, I want to backtrack and talk about the positive things. Because that's what everyone, you were trying to do in the first place. I was trying to. I, I'm sorry. Because um, everyone can talk crap about any movie. But um, not that my beef with this movie isn't valid. But I want to focus on the, the high points. Um, because, again, I didn't hate this movie. The animation is amazing. Okay? Oh, yeah. Absolutely amazing. I did not study animation like you, but watching the movements of the characters, just their eyes, their, their subtle expressions, the way they carry themselves across, you know, a space, uh, the way they use that space, the way they interact with each other, it's so fluid and so graceful. And I appreciated the heck out of that. I loved that. Um, there's a lot of fun visual uh, differences between the spirits of the four basic elements, earth, wind, fire, water. And then the Fire Nation came. But um, Everything changed. <laughs> everything changed <coughs> when the Fire Nation attacked. But there's, just, there's fun visual moments you can have. Each spirit has their own visual form. Um, and I love that. Uh, I love just the, the visuals. My, my mind might have been bored by the story, but my eyes never were. Hmm. My eyes were never bored. I, was always, I always was finding something as my eyes were hunting the frame. They were, they were looking through and just oogling at the detail and the rocks and the, the moisture and the water and everything. 
And I just couldn't help but think, dang, this is that's a pretty that's a good. that's a nice looking boulder. Yeah, I like that boulder. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, other things to praise: voice acting is good. The uh, the actors uh, did a great job with their characters. The singing's good. I wasn't a fan of the songs, well, most of them. Some of them I enjoyed. But most of the songs, I feel, were less... Actually, maybe all the songs. My, my one major caveat with them is they did not make narrative sense so much as just song sense. Um, I will be frank with you guys. Uh, I am not a musical fan. Uh, at least um, when I go to a Broadway play, or a Broadway musical, excuse me, there's a difference. When I go to see a Broadway musical, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a musical. But movie musicals in particular, I... I don't tend to enjoy them as easily as other movie genres. Um, and this movie, I, I could be very wrong, but it just felt like all the songs felt a little out of place. Where it's like, oh, okay, we're going to song again. And towards the end, I was like, we're, okay, we're going into a song again. And then, like, one character just pauses for a long time, like, is it song time? I hear it's song time, and then they start singing. I'm like, it's song time. Anna's crying because Olaf dies, and then she starts to speak, and it just sounds like she's trying to sing. I'm like, wait a second. Oh, it's, it's song that time. time again, kids. It's it's time to get up and sing. Shake your little thing because the lyrics are on. Let's let's dance. I don't know. I <laughs> Follow the dancing snowball. Here's the thing. The first Frozen movie, I didn't hate it. I actually enjoyed it. Um as I've, as I've come to reflect on it, I, I don't think I loved it as much as I did my first time. But I still, if you said, Daniel, we're going to watch Frozen, uh, I wouldn't be opposed. I'd say, okay, yeah, sure, I'd be down for it. Uh, let's, let's watch it. Um, but the first Frozen had relevant songs. Elsa singing Let It Go. Uh, and I'm trying, in this case, the one thing I did not like about Frozen and still don't like is the overhype. Um, that's true for this movie. I'm trying to separate that. I'm trying to just focus on the virtue of the movie itself. But Let It Go is very relevant because Elsa has all of these burdens. She has this trauma, maybe not trauma, but psychological issues with her parents. Uh, they're, you know, they locked her up for years. And uh, this now, for all she knows, her city, her town, they hate her. And she's got to go at it alone. And she has to let it go. And for a time, she goes through this honeymoon phase where she does enjoy being alone. And I, I think it made sense in the first Frozen. Uh, because she's free to play with her powers, which are a part of her for as long as she can remember. And I was like, yeah, okay, you go, girl. Like, yeah, this is, this is good. Uh, and all the songs, like, do you want to build a snowman? It's a playful, goofy song because it's sung by playful, goofy kids in a playful, goofy context. And so... All the songs match the context of the movie. They match the situation the characters are in. And they're narratively important because they actually further the narrative. The songs in these are more like, I'm in an emotional state. I'll talk generally about this state so that when you listen to it and you're hurt by a man, you can apply this to your life even though that's not the context of this movie. Like uh, Into the Unknown, which is Frozen 2's The Let It Go. Um... Elsa is talking about, I will not be silenced. I've kept it way too long. I don't know. I, I don't remember the lyrics. But I, I was thinking, um, no one's silencing you? 
you're just alone in a hallway. You're isolating yourself, and you're you're talking to this spirit, but you might as well be talking to a lover or I don't know. I I just I, I felt the lyrics were deliberately um, I almost said vagalized. Uh, Meaning to become more vague. They were made more vague. For marketability, yes. I see where yeah. you're going. Yeah, exactly. So I don't have to listen to Frozen 2 soundtrack to remind me of Frozen 2. I can also put it on my Spotify playlist and listen to it uh, when I'm moody and angsty. Uh, or happy. I don't know. Um, but I, I want to know your, your thoughts, James, because I've kind of been going on a streak here. Um, the animation, the visuals, uh, <laughs> I kind of veered off this path, but anything praiseworthy. Um, your opinion on the songs? My opinion on the songs? Uh, let's see. Um, I think every... I think every um, every song was related to uh, things that characters were going through and not necessarily, not necessarily related to the greater grand scheme of the plot. Um, mm. So in that, in that regard, I will not, I will not merit that the songs progress the plot. They did, however, express the thoughts of the characters as yeah. they were exploring the spaces um, that they were in. Um, mm -hmm. I want to say something about Into the Unknown that you said earlier. It's not yeah. going to be on my Spotify playlist or anything, but I do want to say <laughs> uh, I think a lot of the things she's talking about are because she doesn't feel like she belongs mm. in Arendelle. That's true. Uh, and she feels like she's being silenced and suppressed because she can't use her powers freely because she's not amongst people that understand her or know her. That's um, true. That's a fair point. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I really liked about the, um, Elsa's songs is that um, her voice actor, uh, heck, Adina Menzel. Menzel, thank you, yeah. um, who I believe, I believe she was in Wicked originally, yeah. uh, which she is the only musical my pipes. dad likes. Um, besides it's the only musical Le I've seen. Besides Les Mis. Um, and they do not restrain her in any way uh, vocally. No, they don't. They really lean into her, uh, her skills. Um, they know her range. They know what notes sound good with her. Yeah. Uh, the music was really powerful and potent. I saw this movie in IMAX on accident, actually. Oh, wow. I did not <laughs> intend to, but I bought it, and oh, I was like, wow. well, there's four dollars i'm never gonna get back four dollars uh, i spent twenty dollars watching it well four dollars more i'm saying that's true. general admission okay. versus imax it's like four dollars dang what theater are you going to <laughs> oh man, i want to go only, there if only no it was an amc theater so <laughs> okay uh, fair enough about 10 fair bucks enough. a pop but uh anyway yeah the the songs i enjoyed um not necessarily because of how how powerful the vocals or the music was but there were cases of that, um, I would say, with, with um, Adina Menzel's songs. Um, <clears throat> I personally never expected to take this movie ser seriously, though I, so I thought Lost in the Woods was a funny, a funny song. Okay. I do think that it definitely downplayed Kristoff's uh, problems. Yes, <laughs> it, it did. did. Big time. Uh, but He was, for all he knew, his girl had rejected him for her sister yes and she was saying whatever else is going through these voices she's hearing they're more important than you and us and our relationship and i uh 
I did not like that. Yeah. Uh, I did not like, I did not think it was realistic for Kristoff to just, because, I mean, he sings Lost in the Woods, and then he says, come on, Sven, and they go, and we don't see them again until the end of the movie when he saves Anna from being killed by an earth giant. And we'll get to this later, but I really feel like they could have done a lot with Kristoff's arc and added more to the story by giving him the same arc but in a different way. Um, and I was just disappointed. Yeah, no, I, like, I, okay. think, I think Kristoff was wronged in this movie. Uh, yeah. I think Kristoff is, is a cool guy. I like his character. Yeah, I like him. Uh, I think he's charming. Uh, I like how he, in a goofy way, voices Sven. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's, it's a fun quirk. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think he, uh, he got thrown to the wayside. Um, but something that I appreciated uh, theme-wise throughout the movie was um, about uh, struggles and, and where people can be in those struggles. Um, they, there were situations where struggles... Um, so you, some people had to realize, for example, Anna, Anna had to realize that Elsa had to go through this by herself. Yeah. And uh, I think she realized that whenever she was trying to climb out of this cave after Olaf, mm -hmm. quote unquote, dies, yeah. she um, sort of gained a little bit of independence herself there because she had nobody to help her there. And she was able to overcome that by herself by simply doing the next right thing, which yeah. is another great message, I think, that this movie has. Um, and yeah. I'm not saying exactly that it is always relevant to the narrative all the time, but I do think that that's just a great message, and I think that's a good thing to say, and I think it's a good thing for the audiences to hear. Uh, whenever yeah. someone is going through something challenging and they don't know what the future might look like, um, simply doing yeah. the next right thing is all you can do, uh, right. and that's okay. Which in this case is exploding a dam, possibly destroying your city. Which the movie does touch on, so I won't I won't say that as a bad thing. Yes. But it means, you know, one act of violence that reconciles two races. Yes. Yeah, it's fine. It's okay. Yes. Um Yeah, like I said, I wanna separate the I, I wanna separate my feelings and say that the overarching plot of this movie is not my favorite, yeah. but character moments, character arcs, some of them are pretty solid. Um I, I do feel that <clears throat> this movie the ensemble cast was not fully utilized. Um, I said before in our previous episode, the one about Klaus, um, for those of you that haven't listened to that podcast, you should uh, obviously see the movie first. Uh, but one of the fan Q&As, well, actually the only fan Q&A at the very end was about Frozen 2 before James and I had even seen it. And it was talking about, we, we decided to go on what was one thing we were excited for, what think the movie would do good, one thing we thought it would do bad. I am pleased to say one of the things I was worried about didn't come to pass, and that was an extensive amount of new characters. Yeah. Um, that did not happen, and I am so grateful. There were uh, new there characters, new... but they were not. Yes. They did not. Gr they did not steal the show. No, they didn't. Yeah. And here's the thing. I. Um, I actually want to say I think I did a 180 here. I actually wanted to see more of some of the new characters, uh, like Ryder. I don't like his name. I think it's a generic 90s skater dude speak to sound cool. Ryder. Because if you look on IMDb, his name is not R-I-D-E-R. It's R-Y-D-E-R. -E Ooh, that's... Ryder. 
That's edgy. And uh, I just, I don't like it. I think it's like way too much. <laughs> it's way too much, especially for the northern people, which is where he's from. Um, but here's the thing. Ryder, actually, the reason I wanted to see more of him is because he actually fills a, not a hole in, in the Frozen universe, but he adds something to the Frozen universe. Yeah. He gives Kristoff another dude, a dude that gets him. You know? Yeah. And I, I actually good. wanted to see more of Ryder because, like, you talk for them too? He's like, yeah. And uh, I actually like seeing that bromance of, you know, it's two guys just clicking. And that's how men click, you know, where it's like, dude, same, you know? And it's, yeah. It was fun. It was wholesome. It was genuine. And Ryder, the whole reason, like, the first time we see him, he's trying to help Kristoff propose to Anna. It's amazing. Like, and even before helping. then, he was, like, trying to protect all of these. Uh, reindeer from yeah. the spirits. He was yes. like, the reindeer. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a bro. Isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a yes. bro. Yes. Um, but so I, I'm pleased to say that worry did not come to pass. Um, yeah. And there were a lot of new characters, but it never felt overwhelming. It wasn't like, wow, this is a big dump of people uh, mm-hmm. that I need to care about. It's like, no, no, these are uh, new people, but you understand their functionality and they're not on screen more than they need to be. Um, there's one character, what's his name, Matthias, I think? Yeah. He's the, uh, he's the black general, uh, right-hand man of the king previously. Um, he was solid. I like his character. I like his presence. He was very calm yet composed. He was um, reasonable, I guess. I liked very the chiefess to... too. She seemed yeah. to have... Um... Yeah, the chiefess. Uh, Iduna, Iduna, Iduna. Iduna, I'm that sorry. sounds right. Um, Iduna, she seemed yeah. to be a character that was like not all stoic and leadery as, yeah. as you would expect from that stereotypical kind of character. Um, yeah. she had some, nice. she had some fun character quirks too. Um, yeah. so I, I enjoyed that. Uh, but anyway, you were talking about stuff that we talked about on the previous episode. So yeah. what was, what was something that you predicted they were going to do? Right. Well, the, the visuals, though, that was more your thing. You were the one that kind of, uh, Broke into that. Um, <clears throat> I I actually don't remember what I said um, uh, previously. Uh, I want to scrub through. I'm going to scrub through our podcast really quick. So I scrubbed through the footage, Daniel, of our podcast. I okay. listened to our voices, which was kind of weird because you were also talking in the background for part of the time, and I was like, "Which Daniel is which? Is this past Daniel <laughs> or present Daniel?" Um, oh yeah, it was a weird moment. But anyway, it was great to hear both of you. Uh, you're both great and beautiful and fully Thank realized you. yeah Thank um you. just wanted to inf- affirm you in that um you're just as good now as you were then anyway so you said uh two things you would like you're looking forward to okay one is spectacle yeah. um you were really excited about spectacle and, and so was i um the second you yeah. were also excited about world building uh, oh, okay do you want to talk about that now or do you want to hear what i what you said about um what you thought would go horribly wrong. Uh, uh, what did I, what did I say that was going to be horribly wrong? Uh, I thought this was pretty accurate. Uh, <laughs> Elsa was going to do a bunch of stuff by herself and yeah. the movie was going to approve of that independence. Yes. Uh, yeah, I could talk about that then. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was what really bugged me about just uh, Elsa's arc. Uh, it was... 
she's independent, she's misunderstood, and so that just gives her a right to seclude herself from everyone. And I think this is an example of an arc that could have been better, but done poorly. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the movie has its cake and eats it too, or at least tries to do that. It tries to multitask. It tries to do everything. Yeah. Um, and one of the things it does is, like, let's make Elsa a loner, but uh, also have that not necessarily be in her favor all the time. It's literally the first movie. She did. It's like she didn't learn anything from yeah. the first movie, right? That was a big problem. No. I, like... I never liked Elsa's character in the first place. Ooh. Yeah. But I didn't. I didn't. Um, she's she's yeah. not that great. Um, and I think she learns things, but in the, in the end of the first movie, and I'm like, finally, she's like a, a person that I could stand being around. Um, yeah. Because she doesn't shut everybody out. She doesn't fail to communicate. But right. then it sort of starts over again. But at yeah. least it feels a little bit more justified because it's like, I feel like I don't belong, and I want to go to a magical place where people yeah. understand me, which is fair, but she still botches it up and she still gets away with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't like her whole arc of, I got to go on and be alone. And her and Anna have, I believe two of the same conversation where Elsa's like, I got to do this alone. And Anna's like, no, I'm your sister. We, we stick together. And by rewarding Elsa's independence, cause she finds out she's a God basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anna, it, it really involuntarily kind of uh, frowns upon Anna's uh, genuine loyalty. care for her sister. Yeah, her loyalty. Yeah, and I, I love that about Anna. And I, I really feel the movie trampled on itself, kind of tripped on itself when uh, when that happened. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Elsa becomes frozen herself, which is kind of a funny irony. It also is kind of weird how that happens yeah uh, i was like um okay um <laughs> uh, but that's a conversation for another day the point is anna cares about elsa elsa doesn't see that but according to this movie elsa doesn't really need to because she finds out who she is she is now a god she <laughs> is like i, I i'll i didn't guess that elsa was a fifth spirit until a, about a few seconds before she did where i was like as the as four spirit diamonds or whatever were coming together on the floor and Elsa was standing in the center, I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh. oh it still no. didn't really hit with me. Like, even whenever I found out, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't. I was kind of disappointed. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, it's like, I guess she's a spirit now. I guess. Yeah. The bridge. Yeah. I mean, it makes it makes sense. You know, it, it makes sense of like, oh, she's the only one with powers and stuff. And yeah, it's pretty cool. I just, it's cool. I just, it wasn't presented in a way where I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, you know? they could have done uh, so much was... better with presenting that and packaging that. Um, yeah. And once again, <laughs> Daniel, I want to, I want to reinforce this. The overarching plot yeah. of this movie, I do not have, I, I have a lot of problems with, but um, I think that there are some things that the characters went through and learned that I really liked. Yeah. Um, I think Anna is fiercely loyal to a fault, but also Anna yeah. needs to learn that people have to go through certain things by themselves. Does that mean that what, that what Elsa goes through, she necessarily had to go through by herself? No. But the yeah. message that I, I extracted from that was a great and awesome message that I think people in our generation need to hear because, yeah, and, and not just our generation, but specifically our generation because everyone feels the need, well, it depends on who you talk to, but in my eyes, sometimes everyone yeah. feels the need to talk about 
exactly what they're going through with people they not don't necessarily know. You know, Facebook posts yeah. about their personal like mental health and like Facebook posts about like their their like emotional health and what they're going through and like there is a place for that. Yeah. But also like that's not that's not something you need to share with total strangers. And there are certain things yeah. I think people need to figure out by themselves um, in order to really become a more whole person. And that is something yeah, I, that I, I learned from this movie. And I was like, that's good. That's a good thing to say. But you could execute yeah. this way better. Yeah, I feel that our society is um, kind of become polarized. On one hand, <clears throat> many of us become, as you said, oversharers. We, we share personal information mm -hmm. with people that we don't necessarily know as well. Um, but at the same time, we're also incredibly alone. A lot of us have tendencies to separate and kind of do us and be independent. And none of these things are bad. Sharing with people is not inherently evil, yeah. nor is being alone. But if all you are is reclusive and alone, and if all you are or if you just share all the time to anyone, both of those things are unhealthy. Especially if there's so, no action behind that sharing, you know? Yeah. Like if you're sharing all this stuff and then you aren't trying to make make it work. You're not trying to do anything about it to change yourself. You're just sort of that can even be construed as like you're trying to get attention, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If you're not so really trying ways. to grow. Yeah. Yeah, there's just so many ways you can so many ways things can become misconstrued or misapplied, misappropriated, whatever. Yeah. Um but for me this movie I feel that the alone time should have been less on Elsa and more on the other characters. Yeah. I because agree. I wanted Kristoff and Sven to have a serious conversation while they're in the woods trying to find Anna. Maybe Kristoff's wrestling with, should I keep pursuing her? And he has his moment. And then at the end, he's like, no, I, I want this girl. She means so much to me. Um, this movie tells us that Anna means a lot to Kristoff. This movie fails to show me why. Why is she worth pursuing? What is it about Anna that Kristoff loves so much? Yeah. We just know he loves her. We know she loves him, but we never see why. We just see Anna uh, trading him for Elsa every mm -hmm. time. And the movie never really calls out Anna's loyalty to a fault. We just know she's loyal, and the fault is she keeps following Elsa. But the movie never says, hey, this is how far you should go before... Uh, you probably should realize you you're you need to love other people as well. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I just feel could have done better with that. With Olaf, really quickly, um, I think his jokes were funny. I think some of his jokes were, I found him hilarious. I just feel that in the context, it just felt so out of place. Sometimes. Um, and I, sometimes. Yeah, and I, I feel that this movie, for the most part, tries to be more mature and adult, but Olaf isn't. And I feel Olaf is the one thing holding this movie back, this one thing. And it's sad because traditionally in Disney lore or even just kids' movies, the way the character that Olaf is, he's indestructible. If you kill him off for real, you're going to lose a big character and a big draw. Big merchandising and opportunity. Yeah. But here's how I think Olaf's arc could have been better because his death meant nothing to me. Yeah. Uh, he faded away, and I'm like, nope. No, he's, he's coming back. Um, there's one way you can go about killing Olaf off without making his death the impactful thing. If you can make the reason he died impactful. So here's what I mean. 
his whole arc is he's existential. So you have Forky, essentially, from Toy Story 4. Yes. And Olaf is questioning, what is life? And, uh, and stuff like that. There's a moment that I hated. Or not hated. It's just clearly for me material. But at the end of his song, Olaf says, this is fine. And then a cyclone carries him away. Oh, and I yeah. thought, okay, you're just doing that for a meme. You're just – there's no reason it had to be in there. Yeah. Um, it was a hashtag relatable moment. Like, oh, my gosh, yeah. this is me after finals. Yeah, exactly. Tag um, your friends. Yeah. <laughs> no, but here's how I would have done Olaf's art differently. I think what they did right is at the very end, Olaf realizes the one thing that's permanent, the one thing that is reliable is love. Yeah, um, it's cool. Here's where I think they did wrong. Or, no, here's, here's what I think should have been changed. What I would have done is had Olaf come to that conclusion of love a little bit earlier in the movie, and then at the very end, give Olaf a chance to sacrifice himself. Olaf a chance to realize if love is truly the greatest thing, then the greatest form of love is giving yourself for others. Yeah. And then him sacrificing himself. Even if he didn't stay dead, even if he came back to life, his death would have been meaningful because it was proof Olaf did grow as a character. Yeah. Instead of a consequence, well, here's the thing, though. There was also, now that I think about it, that's also a consequence this is totally unrelated to Olaf's character, but this is a consequence of Elsa's fierce independence. Um, yeah. Olaf dies, essentially. Uh, and obviously, I didn't feel the stakes of that at all. But still, it's like, no. there was, I guess in that way, there was something to be said about Elsa being punished for her independence. Her sister was left alone in a cave. Her friend, Olaf, is dead. Um, I just, I, I didn't feel that despair, though. I didn't feel like, dang, this is a hard-hitting climax. Because Elsa, I mean, maybe it was the setup. Because she finally reaches the river or whatever. She goes inside the frozen river. And we hear the voice like, ah, whatever. Ooh, that was uh, good. Which is, that was very which good. Is a, <laughs> which is a beautiful voice. I mean, it's I, I like that. But i got to say something, James, something I've been repressing about this movie that Uh I really did not like. So this movie panders in good ways and in bad ways. In good ways, because we talked about earlier, Adina Menzel, it knows her talents and panders the songs to them, and it really enhances the work. Yeah. It fine-tunes the work so that she can elevate it. The bad pandering it does, aside from marketability things, is um, not once – but twice, this movie reminds us of the events of the first Frozen movie. Oh, the freaking Hans? I mentioned this before. <laughs> but one thing I don't like about sequels are um, sequels that remind me constantly of what came before. Um, there's a place for that. But if all you do is just remind me of the movies that came before, then what's to stop me from just rewatching those instead of your stupid sequel? Um, I was talking not about Frozen 2 when I said stupid sequel, just in general. But Frozen 2 has not one but two moments where we have to relive all of Frozen as well. Ooh, one yeah, is when right. Olaf is hilariously talking about their adventures to the northern people. And then the other is when Elsa is wandering around the cave with the Frozen moments in time of Frozen. Uh, and just, I mean, we've relived the movie once when the movie came out. And now we're reliving it again and again with Frozen 2. And I can't help but thinking, my 
goodness, Disney, just move on. Yeah. Just tell us a story. A sequel is not another marketing party. It is a continition. It is an advancement forward. It's a progression. Now, Daniel, that's your definition of a sequel. I don't think (laughs) you know Disney's definition of a sequel. Um, Disney's definition of a sequel is to remind everybody of the first movie, like you said, uh, bring in new... uh, New things to sell. Marketing so we've got clothes. we've got all kinds of new outfits now, Daniel, for new toys. All kinds yes. of new outfits. Elsa goes through three <laughs> different outfits. Anna oh goes through gosh. two, I believe. Uh, <laughs> so keep track of yeah. that. And then I'm pretty sure Sven goes through, or Olaf has. <laughs> can't even say Christoph? his name. Kristoff has two different <laughs> outfits as well. Uh, so that's great. Um, that's good money. And then we've also got a cute little salamander toy you can sell. That's right. Um, the gecko thing. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got this this horse that at first, whenever it was intangible as a water horse, I was like, okay, how do you sell that? Literally, that was my right. first thought. Is that bad? <laughs> now you're thinking like Disney. Yeah. I was like, how do you sell that though, Disney? And then it became a, a solid ice horse. And I was like, okay, let's go. Here we go. We're rolling in the yeah. money now. Yeah. For $200, you can buy uh, God Mode Elsa and her horse. <laughs> You can now buy the expansion pack. Action. Now Elsa can can level up all the way to level sixty five without um without buying level one hundred boss. <laughs> she went from a level one crook to a level one hundred <laughs> boss. <laughs> oh gosh! But Daniel, I yeah, I wanna I wanna like, I wanna stray away from the the cynicism really quick because I do <clears throat> I do want to reinforce the fact that I think whether it was accidental or not, Disney said some pretty pretty good things and. Uh, yeah. had some pretty good character moments. Ones that I enjoyed more. Here's something I haven't said yet. I don't like the first movie as much as this one. The first one huh. is is now it it may have it may have had a more clear simple story, but that's what yeah. it was. It was a clear simple story. And yeah. I thought it was formulaic and I thought it was something I'd seen before. Frozen 2 mm. <laughs> was not anything I'd ever seen before. It was a mess. <laughs> and it was a mess that yeah. I think I will watch again. And that's why I gave it a 7.5 out of 10 because that gotcha. rewatchability factor, I think for me, if it's below seven, uh, it's questionable whether or not I'll watch it again. Um, the 2000, I believe it was 2014 Godzilla movie. Uh, that was hmm. that was a five out of 10 um, uh. because... It's not something I would want to watch again. Klaus, I gave a seven and a half out of ten because I will watch it again. Um, Fair point. So yeah, my scale is is um, similar to yours, I think in some ways. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you I, would watch Frozen two again. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, I I genuinely felt more tired leaving the theater than I did walking into it. Oh. Um, Towards the very end of the movie, I was like, "Okay, let's let's wrap this up. Let's uh, let's go." Um, whatever this movie was trying to say, or whatever it did say, it did not say as fully as it could have. And I don't think this movie had an emotional center. Um, I feel it tried to find its center in multiple centers and failed in that journey. Um, it tried to find an emotional resonance with Olaf, if you can call it that. I call it pandering. Uh, but like, oh, existentialism is funny. It's played for a joke. And then Olaf finds love, but nothing else happens. He's like, oh, love is the best. And that's it. And then he dies. Um, well, he also Anna experiences is... anger. I want to say that. 
he does he does experience anger for the first time. That's true. That's true. He does. There is something there. Uh, but it doesn't go very far because he experiences anger at Elsa, and then that's it. And I thought, well, and we don't have time to dwell on that, right? We don't have time. We gotta gotta keep moving forward. <sighs> we gotta look at all these other plot strands that are going on right now. I know. So. I. Kristoff could have been angry, but he doesn't. That doesn't pay off. The yep. racism could have been lasting, but it isn't. It's resolved. Um, Elsa's independence By lasting? could have been okay, hold on, punished hold on. more. Hold on. By the racism lasting, do you mean like it should? It could have been like slowly yeah, amended slowly over like, time? Okay. okay, I just want uh, to it clarify. Should have been, yeah, sorry. It could have been more portrayed as like, okay, the dam bursting was a stepping stone in the right direction. Yeah. But we still have some way to go. Um, but I feel that movie would have become too real for the general audiences. Yes. Um, and so, I, I don't know. I just... Ah, this movie tries to do so much. Are there not like two different the... movies being made at the same time right now? I'm starting to get that idea as I'm talking with you. I feel like there are two different movies that are being made. They're yeah. two, and it's, well, it's the too two much. Um, one is where Elsa tries to find out who she is. And yeah. I think that there are themes about independence and uh, being loyal and what that might look like. We see healthy examples of loyalty like Kristoff. We see unhealthy examples of loyalty with Anna. Yeah, uh, that's true. And, yeah, maybe we explore deeper the depths of, like, Elsa's, like, desire to be independent and, like, how her need to find herself is put above everybody else. That's one yeah. movie. There's another right. movie about the history of their country. Dang it. Uh, Arendelle? Arendelle, thanks. Uh, <laughs> I keep – there's a fictional – kingdom that i have in in a story of mine that sounds similar and i almost say it every time um <laughs> a shameless plug yeah seriously shameless plug for something i haven't developed yet um right <laughs> stay tuned um but yeah there's also something about the history of arendelle and about the northern people and about uh what ma what the role of magic in the world um yeah and they try to string those two together in a lot of ways. It just doesn't work. It gets a little confusing for me. For me, James, <clears throat> one of the structural problems I had with this movie is it does what a lot of modern movies do now, which is what I call the finger point uh, method, where you point a finger at a bad guy, your antagonist, <laughs> or yes. what you think is your antagonist, and you say, ah, you are the bad guy. But then the movie reveals that you have, in fact, three fingers pointing back at yourself because, plot twist, you are the bad guy, and they're just misunderstood. Oh. Oh, I and thought – I did okay. not like that. Uh, I, I, I think that technique, that twist villain, I just – it fatigues me. I, in a fantasy movie, animated or not animated, I want a bad guy that's tangible. I want one bad guy that's irredeemable, who's evil, and needs to be destroyed, or at least brought to justice. I want to see the protagonist rallying around that person. It could be a spirit, could be an evil spirit, could be um, <clears throat> the nature, uh, the, the four spirits of nature. Um, I don't know, I just, having one force that 
um, affects the characters in their own way and then brings them together in the end. Um, when you have no real villain like this movie does, it becomes not just confusing, but misleading. Not misleading, just ineffective. Bland. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's it? Yeah, um, I did so. not feel the impact of that. There's, there's something I want to I jump off of from what you said about pointing Do the it. finger. I think that there was a finger pointed, and I think it made it too easy. I think hmm. that um, if you, they were going to go with the whole racial reconciliation plotline, which I agree is not always something that works in fantasy. Um, yeah. Don't point the finger at one bad person. Yeah. You can't do that. You can't say, well, it's okay because it was really just my grandpa that was the bad guy and everyone just kind of rolled right. with what he did. That's not yeah. That's not good. That's not <laughs> That's not the way it works. If you want to talk about racial reconciliation and if you want to talk about long-lasting problems between two people groups, you can't just throw it all on one guy. Um No. So, can't. yeah, if it's that's lazy. the route you want to take, then then don't point it all at Grandpa, who's bad. <laughs> um, Grandpa, stop being racist. Yeah, make it make it more than that, and focus more on that, and talk about how it might take a long time and like easy fixes. So I, this is something I predicted with the movie. There were going to be um, plot conveniences. We can point yeah. everything at Grandpa and say it's his problem. We can point everything at the dam and say it's that problem. And once those yeah. two things are erased. It's all okay. Everybody's fine. We're going to walk out right. of the fog with our arms locked together. Um, we have a hit list, and when we fulfill that hit list, then the world will be a better place. Yes. These two acts of violence will somehow right all the violence in the past. Um, yeah. And I honestly, I was disappointed when it was revealed to be the grandpa because I thought I thought it was going to be something else, like some – maybe it was the fifth spirit. Oh, really? Um, I was not surprised. I don't know. I mean I – I think I kind I of saw it coming. I don't know. I It just – I was – I guess I had false hopes that it was going to be more clever and more creative. Yeah. More deep into the mythos of the world they were building. Yeah. But um, it wasn't. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just – this movie let me down in a lot of ways, and I think it would be foolish for me to just say this way was the way, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you're, um, you're right. They could have very easily fixated on one villain, but yeah. they should have related it to something other than the two – the two kingdoms and their divisions and their yeah. hatred for in, each other and the foreign. I was going to say in, in story structure, what you typically want to do is have your protagonist or protagonists embody the theme or at least their mission, their arc throughout is finding a theme. And whatever theme or message they have to learn, have your antagonist embody the opposite of it or have your antagonist embody the, the bad part about it. Yeah. So if you're doing a movie about loyalty, have a bad guy that's disloyal. Or have a bad guy who's super loyal to a bad cause, you know? Yeah. Um, if you're going to do a movie about um, le- forgiveness, then have a bad guy that's vengeful. Or perhaps have a bad guy that hasn't learned to forgive and has his heart closed to the idea of forgiving, you know? Mm. And um, that's what's useful about antagonists. And I get that not all antagonists have to be these superhero, like, oh, there's one guy. Yeah. But in genres like fantasy... And superhero movies and um, anything supernatural or sci-fi, typically the bad guy is one force or one person that embodies the theme. Yeah. And 
I was disappointed that Frozen didn't. I mean, Frozen Two didn't really have that as much. Yeah. Um, and I. They I, didn't I feel do it so it well in the first one either. No, <laughs> Hans was a very lazy last minute. Like, oh, he's the bad guy. It was like a shock, right. and then it was like, wait, this has yeah. no real significance to the plot. <clears throat> it's just a shock. Yeah, there was no, there was nothing to indicate Hans was bad. And that works against the movie because it's like, well, there's no proof that he was bad. So it feels like the plot just corrupted Hans's brain and made him the bad guy. Yeah. Maybe and there the were moments, plot is the bad guy. I remember in that movie there were moments where they lingered on Hans after everyone else was gone. You know, you have those quiet oh, moments yeah. where it's like, oh, they could show right. him, like, even if he just furrows his brow a little bit and frowns. Oh, yeah. Just like, ha, yes. ha, ha. <sighs> then it's like, yeah, oh, exactly. I've got, I'm on to you, buddy. But instead he's like, he falls into the water and he's like smiling at Anna. He's like, oh, what a cute girl. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is a There's genuine nothing... wholesome man. Yes. Even when no yeah, one's it's... looking. Yeah. It's uh, it's unrealistic. Yeah. Uh, it sets like, oh, look, there's a guy who seems to be a good guy in both private and public, but, you know, he'll kill you. He he'll take your kingdom from you. surprised himself with how evil he was. He didn't even know he was evil till. <laughs> That's actually what <laughs> was, was a, going on, Daniel. He, he was a twist villain, even for himself. <laughs> He's like, he wait, like, I didn't know. I'm this. a bad guy. I'm fully oh, wow, awake. I didn't know I was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want a movie like that now. <laughs> Wait, am I the bad guy? Frozen free, three, we need to make it happen. Yes, where Hans um, Hans is shocked that he's the bad guy. <laughs> he's like, "Wait, what? Oh man, I'm really evil. Dang, I don't want to be evil." Sorry, guys. And he goes on this journey. He goes on a journey to purge himself of his evilness. <laughs> it's just like clearly like super meta and self aware, like. Oh my gosh, was yeah. I going to surprise you guys at the end with how evil I was? I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. I don't want to do that. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that the trolls were only in it for like 30 seconds because they're so ugly. I did not like They're the so trolls. ugly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are ugly. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad that this movie did not linger or bring up side characters they didn't need to. Yeah. Like the Swedish guy in the first Frozen where he's like, yoo-hoo. Yeah. And he has like he's the big guy. Yeah. <laughs> we see him a few times, but he's just there. He's in the background hanging out. Exists. So in that case there was some restraint, which I appreciate from Disney. But yeah, I feel they focus too much on humor. Uh one character I loved in terms of comic relief was Sven, the reindeer. Yeah. You wanna know why? Because he doesn't talk. Because <clears throat> he's subtle. Uh-huh. He's restrained. He's not going to be annoying because he doesn't say anything annoying. He's friendly. He's loyal to Kristoff. And he's enough, you know? He's enough to lighten the mood without making it like, oh, it's a goofy time now. That's why I love um, Tangled, Daniel. Because one of the biggest comic yeah. relief characters is what? Magnus? Is that his name? Uh, Maxim- Maximus. Uh, Maximus. Maximus, the horse. Yeah. Great character. I love Tangled. Love him. Maximus was great. And the iguana, too. They don't yeah, talk. Yeah, Pascal. Yeah, Pascal. None of them talk, and it works so well. Now that's a princess movie only, I can throw my weight behind. All of it. Honestly, I was I was gonna say I love Tangled. It's my favorite modern Disney princess movie because it knows what it wants. It's simple, and yet the themes it touches on um, are bigger. Yeah. Like you have this girl who's secluded, who's isolated. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <coughs> Elsa, and this man comes into her life, and. 
it's this fun dynamic they have where this girl is naive and this man is experienced and worldly. And yet what this girl has, what Rapunzel has, is she adds this wholesome purity to this man's life. And this man adds this knowledge she has and this... Um, and the sense of adventure. This, he unlocks that sense of yeah. adventure in her. That's like what I exactly. want in like a romantic relationship, Daniel. Yes. I was like, take <laughs> me away. This is great. I love this. <laughs> and Mother Gothel, yes, it's amen. like, okay, is your hair, what color is your hair? You must be the villain, right? Like, it's so obvious yeah. from the get-go. Like, okay. Right, it's like, oh, dresses in all black. She's pale. She's got those baggy eyes. Gee, I wonder what kind of person. Yeah. Um, but it works. And it's interesting because I remember seeing Tangled a year or so ago in college and a lot of people that I saw it with, they have mothers that are just the same. Yep. They're abusive in the sense that they're restrictive. They're they're holding them back. They're mm-hmm. they're clingy in the most toxic way. And Mother Gothel, it ends up bringing that depth to her. Not that she's like a deep, complicated character, but she's deep enough. She speaks into know? real situations, even though her motivations are purely magical. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's a great way to communicate your theme. The way it's applied is more in the specific context of your movie, but the character that it applies with is a very real person. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the element of a good fantasy and a good fiction. Yeah. So so take some notes, Frozen 3. Yeah. Actually, Frozen 3, <laughs> literally just take a bunch of plot threads from Frozen <laughs> 2 and just focus on them. Because <laughs> there's, some, there's some good stuff in there that that was untapped there's a moment James um, they said this at El Capitan the announcer was saying at the very end he was saying um, hey stick around at the end of the credits and so we all did uh, I don't know if you saw the end credits no scene tell me about it okay well uh, spoilers you're not missing much was it Olaf <laughs> doing something funny um, yes <laughs> okay nice but there was, there was more to it okay so going in, as the credits were ending, I kept thinking in my head, people were thinking that Tangled and Frozen are in the same universe. Uh-huh. Because Finn Rider and Rapunzel actually show up at Elsa's coronation in the first movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's an Easter egg. And here's actually something. Uh, I was looking for that. I was like, oh, they're going to do a crossover. And it wouldn't be a crossover I would mind necessarily. Yeah. But... They didn't, and I'm actually kind of glad. I'm glad they have that amount of restraint in them, where it's like, no, that was an Easter egg, and that's all it will be. The DCU, um, Disney, Disney Cinematic Universe. Got to do some crossovers. Yeah. <laughs> right. But Olaf, uh, he, he re- reenacts, uh, you know, when he goofily reenacts the events of the first Frozen. Yeah. Where he's like, and then she dies, you know. Yeah. And that was, that was really funny. Yeah. He, he does a, reenacts the events of Frozen 2. And uh, then the camera cuts to the people that he's showing this to because he's in an, uh, the icy river cave. And it turns out to be the big golem from the first Frozen. And he's surrounded by tiny little snow babies that um, remind me a lot of another marketable series of generic-looking characters. Uh-oh. If they do a snow golem movie, <laughs> I will be very disappointed in Disney. So wait. Are, they, I, are these like the minions of, of Frozen? Yes. Oh, gosh. Yes. What do they look like? We, the little snowmen. I don't know. They're cute. But there's like hundreds of them surrounded by the snow golem and on top of him. And then he's like, then what happened or something? Or I don't know. It, it's like a funny little cute scene. Got it. Okay. That, and it kind of ends after that. Cool. But 
is just something to note. Like, Frozen 3, you better not do that. Or else, I'm going to be very angry at Disney. Very angry. Mm. And I won't say things that are petty, like, uh, you ruined my childhood. I'll say things like, no, you're ruining cinema. Gosh dang it. I'm past the point of um, disappointment with Disney. I'm just like, yeah, this is what Disney is actually now. So, <laughs> Which is kind of disappointing. I wish it wasn't this cookie cutter. I wish it was more... It's either cookie cutter to the point where it's formulaic, or it's or it's so abstract, or tries to do so much that gets muddy, yeah, and really doesn't land anywhere. Well, and it tries to be woke sometimes too, and it tries to sell how yeah. woke it is, and I hate it. Um, yeah, it's like we get it, Disney. You're you're woke. Did you hear that? You can stop. Um, in slightly related news, did you hear that they cut out scenes from Dumbo? Really? Yeah, in Disney Plus, it's on Disney Plus right now, and they cut out scenes from the original Dumbo because there are racial stereotypes in it. What? Yeah. Um, whenever all they Dumbo, all they have to do <sighs> is just say before the movie, "This is a piece made in a different era." Yeah, and I think that's what uh, they've been doing in Disney Plus. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. Um, is this the live action Dumbo you're talking no, no, about? No, no, this is the original one. Oh, yeah. I uh, do. You, do you ever? Did you ever hear anything, or did you ever watch Dumbo and see the Blackbird characters? They were yes, they were obviously black coated characters, and they were not. Yeah. They were not okay. It was not good. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's this is a whole another conversation. It really I is. Think this is a whole this is a whole another podcast episode. It really is. Um, there's arguments you can make for it, for against it. Uh, I don't know. Let's let let's let bygones be bygones and just, you know, Frozen Two could have been better. Yeah, <laughs> that's something we can all agree on, or at least most of us. Um, at least we have two Pixar really movies coming out next year. That gives me happiness. Yeah. There's hope. Onward and Soul, and uh, I'm excited to review those with you, as we undoubtedly probably will. Oh, I hope so. Let's move on to Itch to Pitch. Okay. So here's what we've got. Okay. Uh, so Kendall from California sent us a couple, and here's another one that okay. I enjoyed. Awesome. A story between a buddy duo, one jock obsessed with birds, and a nerd archaeologist who grew up with each other. They go on adventures searching for artifacts, battling the supernatural, and grave robbers. <laughs> Adam Wyvern <laughs> and Dr. Dylan Hobbs. Amazing. So I had a few ideas Amazing. for this, Daniel. Uh, not for the movie, oh. but for what we can discuss. Okay. Uh, what are we going to call this movie? Um, oh. What is, maybe what is their origin story? How did they get to know each other? And how did they get to, like, how are they who they are? And then okay. we could also talk about, like, maybe the basic plot of, like, one of the movies in this series. This sounds like a pitch for a television series. Yeah. Like a 2D animated cartoon series. Yeah. Um, that's what I see this as. Um, or just a really over-the-top live-action series. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, story about between a buddy duo, one jock obsessed with birds, <laughs> and a neurologist. Um, I'm thinking about... So... Adam Wyvern and Dr. Dylan Hobbs. My guess is that Adam Wyvern is the jock obsessed with birds and Dr. Dylan Hobbs is the nerd archaeologist. Yes. Um, they grew up with each other. 
So here's my quick idea for an origin story. Okay. I'll just kind of throw one whole thing at you, and you can bring in yours or correct mine, whatever. Yeah, and this doesn't have to be a whole episode or a whole movie. This can just be something included throughout the series. Right. So they grew up together. What if... um, So let's say... Okay, so Adam's the jock. Let's say it did start out that way. They grew up as babies. Their parents were friends, so they became friends. And then as elementary school, middle school happened, in high school they started growing apart. And Adam became, he fit in with a different crowd. He got obsessed with working out his body to the peak of human perfection, uh, becoming incredibly swole, (laughs) which of course he did. He became swole. He became the height of perfection. Um, But in the process, the crowds of meatheads he was with influenced him to a degree where he started being a bully. And he started bullying Dr. Dylan Hobbs. And then uh, maybe in the first episode or whatever, it would show how they reconciled and came to be the dynamic duo they are today. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dylan, Dr. Dylan, I'll call him uh, Dr. Hobbs. Dr. Hobbs missed their friendship and realized, you know what? I want Adam back as my friend. And so what he did is he took his love of archaeology and said, hey, you know, Adam, there's a lot of really cool birds uh, <laughs> that were alive in the prehistoric days. And Adam's like, what, really? <laughs> and, and so Dr. Hobbs brings Adam into a museum. And Adam, who's never been to museums because he hates museums, realized he doesn't hate museums. <laughs> Not as much. <laughs> Not when there's big bird skeletons yeah. and uh, bird fossils. And so from that moment on, that's when they started reconciling and became close friends. And then college came and went, and since they were struggling financially, they decided to room with each other and live together. I think it would be cool if Dr. Hobbs actually had a really steady, really successful job, and Adam's still trying to find something, but he's basically mooching off of Dr. Hobbs's house. <laughs> like, he's living with him, but we all know that Dr. Dylan is the one that brings the bacon back home, and we know he's the one that's the financial supporter. Um, <laughs> I imagine someone who's a lot more hesitant about taking risks, going on adventures. Dr. Dylan Hobbs Adam is. being, yes. And then Adam Wyvern is oh, the one who's more gung-ho. He's the one who's like, no, we're doing this. We're going all in. Mm. And the flaw of Adam is he's impulsive. He's, he's too quick sometimes to decide to take risks. But Dr. Hobbs can balance that out. And so this way they can kind of complement each other and, and help each other. Okay. Okay. You gave yeah. me lots of ideas. And think, yeah, and I think it's fun to play with physicality here because Adam could be built very firmly and Dr. Dylan could be very scrawny, but yeah. they all, you know, playfully, um, like, Dr. Dylan teases Adam by verbally and emotionally, you know, teasing him. He's, <laughs> he just roasts him sometimes. But Adam teases Dr. Dylan more physically, you know, giving him noogies, throwing him on the couch, tickling him. I don't know. Tickling him. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, no, Adam, stop. Um, we're, we're be professional. I don't know. Um, that, that, that's my idea. Okay. Their origin story. Okay. Um, I think, what do you think? I think that's good stuff. I think uh, I have a few other ideas to sort of sweeten the pot a little bit. And maybe change a few things. Um, okay. I think that they grew up together. Their families were friends. Yeah, I don't know how. Um, maybe they were part of the same church or something. Their parents went to church together. Uh, or Who they knows? were neighbors or something for a while. Um, I would say uh, 
Adam and Dylan were friends as little kids, and they really enjoyed playing together and, and exploring together. Uh, yeah. And then um, I would say college came about. They went to the same community college, um, and they roomed with each other the first year. And I think in college they can they can develop and start going in different directions. And I would say yeah. Dylan, uh, you see him going in a more analytical, scientific, archaeological route, and Adam uh, becoming a jock. And as they yeah. they grow apart, Dylan becomes more isolated to his studies, and Adam is pissed because he wants to hang out with Dylan. Uh, but then later it's found out that Dylan is like, I don't want to hang out with you anyway because you're always running around with those stupid jocks. So they could have a falling yeah. out their first year of college. And maybe wow. uh, maybe their younger siblings, uh, like maybe Dylan, Dylan Hobbs' younger sister and Adam's younger brother, they fall in love and get married a couple years later. And that's how they're brought back Amazing. together. They meet each other at a wedding. And uh, they're just like catching up. And they, are, they look the same outside. But Adam has fallen after college. Adam has fallen in love with birdwatching. And Dr. Dylan Hobbs has actually become sort of an Indiana Jones. Uh, so this is what I'm, where I'm changing Ooh. the characters a little bit. Um, okay. Adam and Dr. Dylan Hobbs, by appearance, look like what they are. Uh, okay. But in some ways they aren't. So Adam may be into working out and like watching sports and stuff, but he really loves bird watching. And he's just a really big <laughs> buff guy that is really sensitive. I can imagine him... He's a man that appreciates the simple things in life, the simple pleasures. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like just the quiet stillness of nature and just the beauty of a bird's wings. And yeah. sometimes he'll wax poetic. Yes. He just <laughs> he just sits out on his porch and listens to the birds on a Saturday instead of going to instead of like going to tailgating or something. He's like, oh, I'll catch the game right. later. I recorded but it. But then when he what. <laughs> and then when he works out, he's like listening to loud music, and it's like this noisy, sweat-filled place. Your stereotypical gym—it's like all noise, all testosterone. But then, like, he'll be like, "Yeah," and he's like doing manly things, like he's flexing his biceps, and he's just doing thousands of push-ups and screaming while doing it because he's in pain. And then it cuts immediately to him just on his porch, just gently rocking in his chair, sipping his protein then, shake. And then there's a bird that just, like, tweets, and he just very calmly and slowly looks to the source of the noise and then lifts his binoculars up and patiently moves the focus <laughs> knob until he, until he sees the bird. And then he watches the bird feeding its young and then just goes, <sighs> Yes. Just this deep, contented sigh. At first, Daniel, I love that. But at first I was thinking, <laughs> at first I was thinking in the gym, the music was blasting to everybody, but on his headset, he's listening to bird sounds while he's working out super hardcore. <laughs> but I also love the contrast of him just like going super hard and then just like him enjoying birds. <laughs> but anyway, Dr. Dylan Hobbs, I would say, um, instead of him being overly hesitant, uh, as I think like a scientific nerd would be, I think yeah. he is very prideful and confident in his knowledge. And so he goes and does things but he's actually Ooh. he's not strong enough to handle things on his own and so he can that's amazing so whenever he's talking with adam he's like actually i could use a little bit of help from someone like you i'm going to turkey yeah. in a couple <laughs> months uh amazing and like so that's you know maybe that's how they go on their first adventure what do you think about that? james 
here's an idea I have. Yeah. Um, I think that works out perfectly for an idea I was cooking up in the back of my mind. Yeah. Um, what if Dr. Dylan Hobbs was still in grad school and doesn't have his doctorate yet, but he doesn't want people to know? He's so close to being a doctor uh. that he calls himself Dr. Dylan Hobbs, even though Adam and other people closest to him know you're not a doctor yet. Yeah. But he doesn't have a pride thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe this first movie could be his master's thesis, like his doctorate thesis. Like, yeah, this is part of his project. Um, and there are going to be, you know, it's dangerous out there. Maybe there are some warlords or uh, there's some, grave robbers. Yeah, grave, grave robbers. I love that touch, Kendall. <laughs> uh, people that Adam just has security problems with. Um, right. And he can't, uh, or Dylan has security problems with, and he can't fight them alone. And he needs Adam as security. And I would say Adam is really strong, but his sports days are long gone, and he's not yeah. as coordinated. I would say Dr. Dylan Hobbs is built like a rock climber. He's skinny looking, but he is, he's is he got endurance. He's got strength, but right. uh, not enough strength to, to defend himself. Adam is strong. So physically speaking, Adam is excels in short bursts of strength, and Dylan excels in long endurance. Yeah, and he's like persistent. He's got stamina. He he does hiking. He does rock climbing. Uh, whereas okay. Adam is like, if you need someone to punch out a dude, good. You just got to tell him <laughs> where to punch because he right. he needs that brain behind behind that brawn. Or maybe he just has a big heart because I mean yeah. we're talking about he's the a sensitive bird watcher. Yeah, he just <laughs> he will he won't get violent unless he unless Dylan forces him to <laughs> or unless they don't have any other choice. Yes. Okay. He's like punch his lights out. He's like, "Okay. I need you to and help me interrogate him. this guy, Adam." He's like, "I don't know." <laughs> Wait, what if here's an idea cuz the big softy uh, has been done so many times. What if we made it so that um Adam is fully aware of the stereotype he has as a meathead and is actively trying to burst the bubble. Like, he loves working out. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He'll continue to work out. But in his free time, he's like, he writes these very eloquent <laughs> books about birds. And even though he doesn't have a doctorate, he's actually breaking. Like, there can be very subtle references to the fact that his books have actually made waves in the bird industry <laughs> in terms of how we study birds. Like, uh, one person is like, you're, you're Adam Wyvern, the bird, bird watcher. And they're in, like, Turkey. The guy's like, your book changed the way I looked at birds and helped me with my breakthroughs. It, it's an honor, sir. <laughs> and Dylan, his pride, Dylan's pride gets the better of him because he's like, no, that, that's me. I, I'm, the, I'm the smart one. I'm the scholar. I've, I've, yeah, written, I've published. Haven't you read my book? Exactly. But Adam's expertise comes not through education but through experience and ob observation. And uh, it could be funny of he's like, it's kind of like Frozen 2 where Olaf is like, water has memory. But for Adam, it's like, I wonder if the eagle leaves their nest because they're searching for something. And, and Dr. Dylan Hobbs like, you think? <laughs> but then later when Adam posts it or something or makes his observation known, a one bird watcher is like, that makes so much sense. <laughs> that goes in line with an observation I made. And like, <laughs> Adam just really excels when he like he'll he'll write a book or two or maybe he wrote one book on birds and he didn't think it did that well but it actually like transformed the bird watching industry and got a lot of people into it yes. i don't know yeah no be I, fun. I i love that i love the humility with that <laughs> i think that's a good foil 
he's like, oh, it's just a little, some, it's just some stray thoughts from what I've been observing over on the, you know, <laughs> over on the uh, Missouri Riverfront. I, yeah. I go there on weekends. <laughs> it's it's just to get a little fresh air. <laughs> um, whereas like Dylan Maybe... Hobbs is like sweating over his desk, like trying to <laughs> crank out this 25 page essay that's due tomorrow, right. you know? Right. It'd be funny if like, if you really wanted to hype it up a bit, um, you could have Adam like writing is actually a release for him. So his idea of a perfect day is being surrounded by birds in a forest while writing a poem. Maybe he's just a poet. Maybe he just taps into that primitive uh, touchy feely side and just writes these elegant prose of like the words, the, the bird's wind doth toil where nary a creek may tarry or something. I don't know. <laughs> just like beautiful. <laughs> just this deep flowing prose. And maybe throughout the entire first season, he's so shy about it. But then Dr. Dylan Hobbs like just rips off or like grabs his poem from him and starts reading it. And he's like, where did you learn to write like this? And he's like, I, took a oh, I, I picked up. No, maybe he's like, maybe I, I accidentally like start. I found some of your your uh, graduate program books and just actually started reading them. And <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Yes, that's good. This is good. I, I love I, I want to see this Adam now on screen. Yeah. Yeah. I just think the, uh... just sipping tea, watching birds, sigh, sighing contently, writing some writing a poem, impacting the bird watching industry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he discovers a new species of bird. You know. Yes. Uh, Who knows? That'd be so sweet. It's I love I love <laughs> the bromance. I think we do well with the bromance ideas. Um, yes. There was something here that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, okay. Battling the supernatural. Uh, That's right. So this might tread into uh, sort of a Scooby Doo kind of territory. Um, right. Uh, do you think that this with these these supernatural forces? Do you think? It will be more of a Scooby-Doo sort of vibe, where it's like, "Oh shoot, there's a ghost in this, in this, um, in this grave, and we gotta fight it off." Or is it more of a dark, like there are forces that do not, like, I guess I'm looking for tone. Um, yeah. What do you think that should? Take? I was, I was picturing more of a. Um, so they're searching for artifacts. Uh, my question is, I know why Dr. Dylan Hobbs is doing this. This is it's his job. Or if we're going to go our route, he's trying to earn his doctorate. Yeah. Um, but where does Adam fit in? I mean, yeah, he's muscle, but Dr. Dylan Hobbs can hire out muscle anywhere else. So what if the first case they go on is there's a big archaeology dig, and um, it's bird-themed. Like, they're a bird calligraphy there's just something about maybe the culture has to do with birds like they worship a god that is that was shaped like a bird yeah um and so dr dylan hobbs begrudgingly first he's like okay adam now and he starts babying him like he's like now i know you haven't been on dig before but this stuff's very fragile so you gotta be very careful (laughs) and adam's like i know what i'm doing you know like he's very reasonable he's like yeah no I, i get you but maybe uh, maybe Dr. Dylan Hobbs eventually starts bringing Adam along because Adam gains experience, so it's just helpful having him there. Yeah. But if you want to tap into a season-wide arc, 
Maybe a few notable digs they find have the same bird emblem, and they worship the same bird god, this culture. Yeah. And so there's something bigger at work. So Adam can bring more expertise, more of his intellectual expertise to the table. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I see where you're going. Exactly. So this makes Adam not just a brawler, but also insightful. Um, And then there could be some puzzles that are actually poems. Like, it's all deeply metaphorical. Like, maybe Adam has this really big gift with riddles where just he cannot be stumped. Just the first thing that pops into his head is the correct answer. (laughs) Um, Just the way his mind works, he's good with writing. He's good with prose and words, even though his speech may not always indicate it. Yeah. But, Whereas Dylan Hobbs uh, is a could, science and history right. and taking the initiative. Yeah. Right. And so I think it would be funny if, you know, because traditionally in the adventure genre, riddles are always a stumbling block where it's like, uh, what does this mean? Or maybe there's a prophecy that's always in this vague language. So it would be funny to me if we included at certain points these really tricky riddles and Adam just bulldozes through them without even trying. He's like, oh, like a river. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And <laughs> Dr. Dylan Hobbs just bashing his head, his own head, into like a nearby rock. He's like, why am I not figuring this out? Um, I think there's even... And um, uh, it would be fun, too, if you want to go in a personal arc. If Adam, because Adam does a lot of the more important physical things, it'd be cool if he, Adam becomes a celebrity in the towns they visit for uh, rescuing the artifacts. Because Adam's the one that ends up fighting the supernatural entities or pulling the lever or stuff and it could build up resentment with Dr. Dylan Hobbs and there could be that falling out. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I was just going to say that that's a great jumping off point for what I was going to say. Um, I think that as they go throughout um, their adventures, there could be revisiting of things that happen in college and why they grew apart. Um, yeah. I think that that would be a great way because, you know, clearly, um, Adam's easygoing nature m- sort of swept him up in this group of jocks and like Dr. Dylan Hobbs's ambition sort of pulled him away from their relationship. So like sort of looking at both yeah. of those things and saying like, well, how could we have done this better? Um, and like maybe, you know, they get to the point where they, they, you know, they become great friends again and they, they reconcile things like that. Um, maybe throughout the first season. Uh, yeah. But I, I um, yeah, I, I really enjoy, I enjoy the, the foil that they are, and I, um, yeah, I think they're a great, a great duo. I think they would be fun to watch on screen. Really funny, a lot of comedic opportunities. Yes, uh, and the grave robbers can be like their, their opposites. So a group of people that are trying to get these artifacts. And maybe there can even be, like, some society that's trying to resurrect this bird, God, King, and... Yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking more, like, big monster... So, like, Azul kind of Ghostbusters, like, resurrecting the giant deity slash monster. Sort of. Though not as as darkly comic. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's more, like, an obviously lighter tone. Okay. And I can see this being, like, a a 2D animated cartoon series. Yeah, have you... I think it would be really fun to exaggerate their physicality have you seen um have you seen anything from carmen san diego on netflix no, I haven't. that's a pretty cool no. 2d style um i'm not saying that's exactly what uh this could take on but um 
there's just a really cool like textured 2D cutout kind of look to it that I really enjoy. Okay. Um, and they interesting. That's a similar like adventure capers, uh, infiltration, um, solving mysteries and history and traveling the world. Um, so that's sort of immediately where my mind leapt to. But there are other other style routes we can take. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, Kendall, I think this is a fun idea, and I love the flavor of this. Uh, Yes, you I you do. put some really great seasoning on this. I think that that brought some really fun discussion and uh, yeah, I, I hope you I hope you can take these ideas and roll with it and uh, keep us in the loop if you if you go any more anywhere else. I know we've been corresponding back and forth, Kendall, about some characters you've been visually developing. If you ever happen to develop some of those characters visually, I would love to see it and we would be glad to uh, share that through our community, which is still yeah. growing at this point, but it would be fun to post some of that art. Um, also artists, yes. um, if you have, if you have been inspired by any of these, uh, itch to pitch ideas, um, we would love to see some art, uh, from these ideas. Uh, we would, we would love to give you a shout out. Uh, and it would just be a fun thing. I think for us to see and for you to explore as an artist, I know, I personally really want to do some fan art for my super roommate, which was Jacob's pitch from Jacob from Oregon. He pitched yeah. a couple episodes back. Um, so yeah, I know as an artist myself, I'm itching to, to do some stuff. So we just wanted to let you know that that's something we encourage and I think brings together the creative community even more. Um, if you happen yeah. to have any other itch to pitch submissions or fan questions, uh, which we'll get to questions in a second here, um, you can reach out to us. Um, at Casually Critical on Facebook and Instagram, or send us an email uh, at um, casuallycriticalpodcast at gmail.com. I'm sorry, did I say that right? On Facebook and Instagram, it's at Casually Critical Podcast. I want to make sure I got that clear. Um, okay, I think so. Yeah. Daniel, do you want to read the fan question we have for today? Sure, I will. Um... By the way, if you guys want to know where to submit fan Q&As or itch to pitches, simply check the description on the bottom of each of our episodes. Um, there's information there that should be helpful to you. Okay, so the fan Q&A of today I did, is... I did not note this, Daniel. I'm sorry to interrupt. I did not note this in our document, but it's from Nathan from Virginia. Excellent. Nathan from Virginia, thank you for submitting. He asks... Could you guys do a review of The Mandalorian, comparing its themes and story with original trilogy, prequels, and new trilogy, and the goods and bads so far in it, and your predictions of where it will go, or if it is unpredictable? Uh, now, I, I'm in a bit of a bind here. I haven't seen The Mandalorian yet. Uh, I've barely seen promotionals for it, so I know practically nothing about it. Okay. But if that is something you would want us to do, Nathan, uh, I'm sure we can work something out in terms of reviewing it. James and I have uh, discussed the possibility of doing series reviews more often. We've noticed a lot of you guys have listened to our Parks and Recreation review. These reviews would not be entire series. These would be seasonal. Um, but if that is something you guys would like, please, please, please let us know. And we'll go from there. Yeah. I think that there's definitely a possibility we could review The Mandalorian. Uh I've watched all the way up to episode, I think, three at this point. That's what's out right now. Uh, yeah. And it's definitely something worth looking at, Daniel. Uh, I think we could, whenever you swing by uh, the Midwest again, uh, I think we could 
we yeah. could definitely check it out together. That would be fun. That would be great. Sweet. Great. Nathan, thank you so much for the suggestion. Yeah. Okay. Well, everybody, thank you so much for your submissions and uh, just all the love you've been giving us, uh, all the feedback. We always appreciate yeah. that. Continue to do that. Um, if you have any suggestions Please. for what we need to change or what we should do, uh, reach out to us. And if you have any itches to pitch and questions as well. Awesome. Well, I'm Daniel and this is James and you've been listening to our podcast, Casually Critical. Regardless, if you like Frozen or hate Frozen, Make sure your heart doesn't run cold. Ah.